Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready. We're about to live in your head rent-free. This is episode 109. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Welcome back, Otterites. So, we are doing pop culture this week. This is our fourth Friday of the month. And uh, this is the Friday before the first week of July, which is the uh, best week of the year. Somebody has a birthday. Yeah, uh, like, not uh, because uh, it's Independence Day and the birth of our wonderful nation, but because it's Robert's, Robert's birthday. birthday. <laughs> Robert's birthday. Yes, that's right. So, happy birthday to Robert. Yeah, um, yes. So, we're going to talk about music. Uh, as Francis said at the end of the last episode, we're going to talk about something we have yet to talk about. Yeah, 108 really episodes in the can, plus a couple of minor uh, specials. specials. Yeah. And we have yet to talk about something that is very near and dear to all of our hearts. Yeah. Uh, we are, we all have our favorite, I mean, everybody has their favorite music. Uh, but music's a, also a good way to start a fight. Uh, it is. Uh, it when, is you start, when you start talking music, uh, people's music choices are very, very personal. They are. They're very personal. Uh, you get invested in it, you know. It, it, all those concerts you go to see, it, it really is personal, it's social. Uh, all at the same time. So we'd kicked around a couple of different ways to go about this. Uh, we were talking about uh, looking at music and, and who was the most significant. Uh, you know, I had approached it when Martin and I were talking about it in, in the production meeting. Uh, I was thinking of it more as a personal take on it, mm -hmm. uh, who was uh, most either most influential or favorites kind mm -hmm. of a thing. Uh, I think eventually we just settle on, you know, let's just talk about whatever the hell we want, because that's the kind of guys <laughs> let's we are. Let's not overproduce this, guys. Come on. Yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a value to that. Well, you know, we always let the, the, the show take us where it will. Uh, so, uh, it, we, it's, in a way, it's kind of like a code of honor, where I think we all have something equally mm -hmm. to bring. Uh, so, as the captain, I will call on one of you to, to, to start with whichever aspect of that you want to talk about either favorite most influential to you or most influential to, to the world I, I think any one of those is a valid starting point for discussion uh, well if Francis will give me leave I will just no hating that's all no he has oh no 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 no, no, hating. no, no hating. hating that's our only rule I, I think I want to start with somebody that I think can then Enable both Robert and Francis to build on with some of theirs. Well, let's see good. how well you know us. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I know for sure this will work with some of the things that Robert wants to talk about. But the band that I revere probably the most from those those early rock pioneers is The Who. Hmm. Now, Very Beatles, of course, super important. The Beatles are the first band to really say that rock and roll could be about more than just going to the sock hop at the high school. Right. Yeah. They changed everything. There's yeah. truth to that. Stones also. The Rolling Stones, they're the first band to bring overt sexuality to rock and roll, which is something it has to have. As opposed to the subtle hip swing of, of Elvis. Yeah. 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 It, it, there was there was an undercurrent before, but they decided yes. just, you know, pull the mask off and, you know, let's let's be overt yeah. about it. I mean, you're right. The, the jump from Elvis, where it's still somewhat subliminal, kind of implied. Well, those teenage girls didn't think it was subliminal. Yeah, but yes. it still is. But, well, yeah. but, but it was still implied. But it's a jump yeah. to go from Elvis to let's spend the night together and yes. I can't get no satisfaction. Yeah. 
Well, which they, ironically, they had to, uh, when they were on the Ed Sullivan show, they had to rename, they had to sing a different song instead yeah. of let's spend some time together. Let's because spend some time together. Mr. and Mrs. America in the late 60s was not prepared for that. They were not ready for that. The kids were, but they weren't. <laughs> and, you know, that says a lot about the cultural imperatives of the time because, you know, it's hard to imagine uh, them changing the words of a song. That's well, let's see, but they were still, I won't say still hungry, they were very popular at the time, because that was, you know, that was, you know, seven, eight years into their, they were still, you know, a huge, huge force. Well, that was, but, that well, was, music was, was still two, also, year, two years in, something right. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that was still, what, 65, their appearance? I thought it was later than that, but I may be wrong. Well, were they in Suits? Yes, uh, I believe so. I believe so. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, it's going to be around 65 then, because, because yeah. yeah. let's spend the night together as an early Stones hit. Yeah. Right. Well, and you got to remember, music at the time was very corporately controlled, uh, far more so than today. Very yeah. much. Yeah, because you didn't because you didn't get airplay if right. you don't do that. And that's the only way you can get popular. Uh, albums were just becoming a thing yes. then. Uh, by, by the time 68, 69 rolls around, it's over. It's, it's all that. Yes. Uh, but in 65, it's still a little embryonic. Yeah. But for me, and you, you talk about the album as a form. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, the Who then are the band that launched this idea of the long form. Yeah, the the, the vinyl, the album. And at the same time, though, orchestrated a certain way. They are still the prototypical early rock band because you've got this. Uh, my generation still only a, like a two and a half minute, three minute song. So it's still this the same thing of these quick songs. There's this three chords and rock and roll, but then it's you move from that to Tommy, and who's next? Mm-hmm. And the was it the nine minute version of "Won't Get Fooled Again," and and Quadrophenia. So to me, that without the Who, there's no there's no like stadium rock uh, but at the same time then there's no progressive rock there's no punk because punk is hearkening back to my generation mm-hmm. you know the, the Ramones and, and Blondie and, and the, the idea of a two and a half minute song with three chords that's my generation but it's also they're the progenitors to me of New Wave because they're one of the first bands that's putting their appearance and the, the look of the band as part and parcel of uh, what they are. Yeah. That's... So they're kind of the first of this, we're going to, you know, smush uh, fashion into this. And then also, to me, they're really the beginnings of making the rock song personal, of really making it uh, about your angst. And mm-hmm. about your... It's not bubblegum rock anymore. Right. It, again, the, Just oh, like the Beatles. I mean, they st- that's where they started. That's where that started. Yeah, they're, they're bringing the bubblegum. politics. That's the sock yeah, they're bringing well, the yeah, politics. You know, the love me, gum. do, please, please me. All those very, very early Beatles. They're very much of that type. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But they, they were talented. Yeah. And they were finally able to get themselves to a certain tipping point where... And it comes in their mid, their mid of their early section. Rubber salt. Basically, soul, is yes. when they decided we're big enough. Let's do what we want, yeah, and so it changed everything. They're bringing the social commentary, the politics in, and again, the Stones bringing in the sexuality more, 
And here's the Who then bringing in this very angsty Pete Townsend personal. I don't want to. I want to die before I get old. Which idea. Ironically, he did not. He's <laughs> yeah. Still around. Still yes. around. So um, to me, that's that's the Who is this band that you just can't do without. They were a good bridge between the radio play and the album play. Yeah. They understood the value of both, and they were able to work, you know, in, in different times right. in different ways. Things because Who's Next is one of the greatest albums ever I recorded. Love Who's it's Next. still got yes. some of the very best stuff. And I love Bob O'Reilly. Most of those songs, I don't want to say most, but certainly a huge number of those songs, are still played on air radio today yeah. and always will be. And they were enormous back in the day, and yet people bought that album. And by the time the '70s comes along. It's album oriented, and you have concept albums, you know, like Tommy. Uh, they don't always work. Uh, Kiss did one in the early '80s called The Elder, which absolutely almost dis- destroyed their reputation. <laughs> uh, and it was—I think it was a Paul Stanley thing that he put together. This thing, let's let's do this story within there. Yeah. Music it, from The Elder. That's exactly it. And you know, nobody know. It, uh, rumor has it one of the songs on there Gene Simmons tried to play in the 90s and forgot the words. <laughs> so uh, at concerts, I don't think that went over very well. But, you know, the Who, again, this destroy the instruments on stage. Yeah, make, make a show of everything. But at the same time, this great quality music that you hear on the radio, it holds up. And holds up as a long form. Yeah. Others so tried to copy their stage antics, yeah. but rarely did they also have the talent, the yeah. musical talent that those guys all had. Yeah. So again, this this punk doesn't exist without the Who. To me, new wave doesn't exist without the Who. I don't know. I, I think I might disagree with that. Um, I wouldn't give it all to them, but they were so, influential. I would say that. Well, but the, the punk is such a hearkening back to those days. Those early yeah, days. But when you look at what's generally considered the the influences on punk rock, who is no, nowhere to be found uh, in, in those kinds of discussions. Uh, I, I think there's commonalities. I think it's you know it's one of those correlation kind of things. I think that's more of an outgrowth of the culture. They were both tapping that, into the same thing, perhaps. Yeah, I think I think it's more of that than so much a, 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 a one preceding the other well, uh, by cause. Teenage angst, by definition, is one of the driving forces of much music. That's, it's oh, always yeah. a thing. That's, oh, and it always absolutely. Of rock yeah. and roll. Yeah. Of rock, rock and roll in particular, but you know, many others too. So, yeah, I, I, there may have been some influence, because you know, especially with, with punk and new wave, uh, not all of it, because actually the first punk scene is in the U.S., but some of the most famous are from England. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's going to be uh, Beatles and the Who and Stones influences, whether they realize it or not. But I think some of the overt stuff, not so much. I think everybody was starting to uh, to do fashion statements. I mean, look at the Beatles mm-hmm. uh, when they got Sgt. Pepper's. Oh, yeah. huge. Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned Sgt. Pepper's because in many respects, that's another one of those watershed albums. Yes, yes. it is. It, uh, it's it and the White Album are... Yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah, and, and uh, Sgt. Pepper's is the turn when they realized... You know they they had done uh, at uh, Rubber Soul they'd done Revolver and I think there's another one along through that where they were kind of doing their own thing, and they they kind of took a little bit of break to do Sergeant Pepper's and they said, we are so big and this is John Lennon bigger than Jesus type type the time that let's really go weird and of course then drugs get brought in and all of a sudden everything takes a very not a darker turn it's actually just a more I guess 
freer term. Yeah. Uh, and this is, t- you know, because Sergeant Pepper's is like 66, or maybe 67. And all of a sudden everything's different. And you realize, because the music's different. The music is extremely different. It is, a, it's a it's a quasi-concept album. Well, it's it, the music's themselves. Yeah. It's not, but it's kind yeah. of put in an umbrella between the beginning and the it's end the, of the album. It's one of, if not the first album in the sense that we we were just talking about. Yeah. I think it's deliberately it's a conceived of as a whole as opposed to a That's series right. of singles. Exactly. Even though there are quite a few singles off that album. Well, yeah, because you know, Goodwin will be. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I think you know we talked about the Woodstock. Uh, phenomenon. Mm-hmm. You know, we we very much tied that into a lot of the cultural events uh, of the day. Well, I think Pepper's all of this is one of the is... things that kind of was the beginning spark that led to that because sure. that was everything was experimental then. Of course, the drug use became a lot of it. Yeah, uh, but, but for God's sakes, the Rolling Stones put out their Satanic Majesty's Request, which is a you know it's a it's a mock of that. I mean, if you look at the the, the front cover of it it's it's the sergeant pepper is done with them totally different the guys in, in weird costumes with all sorts of stuffing going on around i mean uh the stones and the beatles you know they they knew very well they, they both read the times and the cultural movements which i think is what you're talking about yeah, yeah. there's a there's a something here that we're tapping into i it think it's a, art reflecting life more than create than than creating life Although in the they, end, well, th- those are cyclical. They're cyclical. They, exactly, you know, they because, feed on each other. Yeah, because they were successful at it. Right. That all of a sudden it was it took a new turn. Well, when you look at what we were talking about that that uh, Woodstock episode and the, and the cultural stuff that's going on, there's an explosion of except in the cinema when it all goes to cop shows and cop movies. Uh, there's an explosion of different kinds of creativity. I mean, you look at the art yeah. scene in the in the '60s, uh, probably kind of led the way mm-hmm. uh, in, in many ways. Uh, not necessarily certainly all of it and I think the music is kind of an outgrowth of that mm-hmm. uh, there's always been underground music to a degree uh, you know so you look in the 50s that's the beatnik kind of stuff yes so yeah, the, well Buddy Holly was considered to be a juvenile delinquent right yeah I mean it was it was he you're not supposed to do that stuff and, exactly uh, so you know the underground stuff uh, that you saw in the 60s uh, it's probably where more of that punk stuff comes from. You know, in the U.S., um, it's probably le- it's got a different creation than in England because in yes. England it is political and economic driven. Yes, yes, and that's an entirely different uh, thing. It may be more economic in the U.S., but it you know there's it might uh, just be a boredom thing. It might US. be a boredom thing. You yeah, know, because it's not a it's whereas Vietnam was a great reactionary thing in the late '60s, early '70s. By the time the 80s come along, that's gone. Right. So, you know, when you see this stuff come up, even though there's lots of uh, you know, people we would consider alternative today existed way before punk started in the mid-70s, you know, when it truly started. There's influences. So, like Bowie. We would consider Bowie more of an alternative kind of music. Oh, yeah. He, that's a, I'm glad you mentioned uh, him. Very much a new wave influence. Yes. Right. But he precedes yeah. both punk and new wave. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he, so he, does Blondie, in fact. Yes. Uh, precedes both. Uh, which yeah. I didn't realize they were actually they were around a lot longer than than uh, than we thought, um, you know. But during that time, the bands that I listened to all got their start all in that seventy five to eighty uh, time yeah. frame. It was a huge explosion of talent mm-hmm. uh, directly tied back to that punk because anything went because I, you know, and this is where maybe some of that uh, right. influence because everything they started that. Yeah, and they mainstreamed anything goes. So you right, know, right. So and that's what's so striking to me about the Who is again that the this 
you could claim Arena Rock comes from the Who. These huge shows. Well, yeah, yeah without but the, at the same time with the destruction of their instruments and short songs, well, then know. punk is kind of this whole. Well, it's a reaction to a re, Arena Rock, but coming from the same DNA as the Who. Well, and and not all of it went in the punk direction. Kiss is a great example because you know they, they around that time as as the Who is is moving on. Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, and these guys come together, and you know you got you're spurting blood, you're wearing makeup, you're smashing guitars. They are probably the the uh, the uh, full full on collision of uh, hard rock, uh, glam rock, yep. and uh, that punk alternative protest kind of stuff. Because so. they got they've got all the elements, much you know, and, the and, arena and, rock, the big shows. Huge. They pull it all together. Oh yeah, I, I saw them in concert in '81, I think it was in Rupp Arena, and uh, they really musically. If you just distill them down to the music, they are damn talented, uh, which is one of the reasons that their albums have continued to sell, uh, even today. They're still big, uh, but their image kind of went. That's why everybody quote unquote hated them. It's like Ozzy Osbourne. Everybody quote unquote hated them if you're an establishment person. I'm having a very hard time picturing Francis with a Paul Stanley star painted on. <laughs> you won't see that. I was I was there uh, just uh, as I just as I am. That's right. I had a uh, hell of, that's oh, so maybe a little more hair, but well, that's don't so we all. disappointing. Oh, I loved I loved that concert. It was a it was they they made the stage into a battle tank. It was one of those. It was after Peter Chris. Had had, his, had had his drug so issues. He left. Eric, Eric Carr, Carr was uh, who was an employee. He wasn't a member of Chris. They basically uh, Kiss. They had hired him. Yeah. Poor guy. He dies of uh, of some strange form of cancer in yes. the early nineties. I mean, he's like in his thirties. He was a talented drummer. Uh, so you would have also been at the almost the tipping point then of Ace Freely leaving and Vinnie Vincent coming in. No, it was before that. It was before, yeah, so that was when they took the make-off off for the first time. Yeah, so you would have seen Ace Freely. So you, yeah, you would have been about the time of the Dynasty tour. That I'm going to say that might be exactly it. Hmm. That sounds about right. I know, Robert I know knows about, nothing of what we're talking about. Well, no, <laughs> I know some of it sure. because uh, lived next door to a, a kid. It was the only neighbor I had that was a kid. So, uh, you know, he was totally into Kiss. I mean, he was really. Well, I was in the sixth his mom grade. hated it because Everybody. she was one of those real strict Baptist kind See, of moms. There you go. And they were Satanists. That's yeah. exactly it. There was a there's a there's a visceral reaction from the establishment to this, which of course made the kids love it that much more. Right. In the sixth grade, we were bringing in Kiss albums to play in our school on Fridays. Oh yeah, Kiss was Kiss was, was huge. Was a thing. Was, you, yeah. you better like Kiss. It was just your thing back in then. Yeah. They were so influential in those late seventies. And you know they stuck it out. Uh, they really have. Uh, they, they've done a really. I mean, if you listen to some of their stuff, I mean, uh, my God, Beth is still one of the most requested oh, yeah. songs out there. Yeah. And that's a very. It doesn't sound like them, but it is. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so we went from a Who to Kiss, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on Kiss, but uh, well, I mean, Francis, I, let's let's do. I, do I brought want, up the Who. Let's bring up something. We've got. Oh, and we've done a lot of this already, but I do think that if you're talking about influence. Uh, you you kind of have to start with the Beatles. It really is that we've talked a lot about them, and I'm gonna belabor a lot of that. But I still think they are the ones that a they made a gazillion dollars. Uh, yeah. Lennon and McCartney are two well. Of, somebody made a gazillion dollars, well, not necessarily them, right? Uh, Len, uh, and after Lennon's uh, death, and I I remember 
getting, remember hearing it on the radio the day it happened. I, I literally turned on the... December 1980, right? That's exactly right. I remember the, the alarm coming on that morning, and I had it t- tuned to the local rock and roll station. And that's That was the headline uh, at, at the top of the hour when I woke up, and I was stunned. I was stunned because I was in my Beatles face. I think all of us go through a Beatles face. At some point, my son went through a Beatles phase. Yeah, at the same my time, son did too because the, the Beatles rock band. You know, we had the guitar for the yeah. Wii, and oh man, was he good! Well, I don't because the music is that yeah. it's yeah. that timeless. It, it really is. is. It's important. They they are very Lennon in particular. McCartney is good. I love McCartney, and he's still around. He's one of the wealthiest guys in the world, uh, but he's a wonderful, he's a pretty decent guy. But I think Lennon was, in many respects, the real juice that made them go further. McCartney would have stayed safe. Lennon was willing to push him to go further, uh, but the two of them together, and I don't want to, I don't want to slight George Harrison because some of his stuff is fantastically good. It's very different. Yeah, but I mean, there's a reason that Lennon McCartney is is a shorthand for great songwriting. For great songwriting, that's right. Yeah. And and, I, and that kind of leads me to my point is, if you want to look at somebody influential, you're looking at those who write their own material. Yeah, it ain't worth a darn if you're just covering people. Right, and again, the the who, Pete Townsend, the See, primary songwriter, like, they did it. You, they had he's it writing about if, his it's right. angst and right. his issues, and and you know that's kind of where and, and, and the Stones did it too. Yeah, I mean Jagger and Keith Richards together, they write some good shit, and they had a hell of a lot more sustained career than the Beatles did. Mm-hmm. I mean. McCartney did some great stuff with Wings. I love Wings. I mean, mm-hmm. you, great one of the best jokes ever, ever. I didn't know Paul McCartney was in a band before Wings, which you know kids nowadays don't get. But yeah, yeah you know, right. it was, that was a time. That's right. It was a time. That was the funniest joke you heard. Yeah, <laughs> and he did a really great job with some great stuff. Lennon did some great stuff. Uh, uh, Double Fantasy was a really good album. It was, I think, it was overplayed because it came out right about the time of his death. It doesn't yeah. get a lot of play yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, very little, other than imagine most of Lennon's post Beatles career doesn't fly much because he he didn't have McCartney to rein him in. That's one of the reasons the two of them together were stronger than the, each of them separately. Yeah. Nevertheless, they they both did some really yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I, mean, I think there was you know there was a realization for McCartney that it still had to entertain uh-huh. in, in a certain way. Right, continue yeah, he, to be he appealing. Had a, he, I think McCartney where, was more commercial. Yeah, and, and and Lennon was a bit more radical. But yeah, Lennon's. Trying to make the social statement. Correct. And McCartney less so. Yeah. Uh, although I suspect if you would ask either one of them that, they would deny that. Yeah. I think they're, they were, uh, I don't want to pigeonhole them too much. Let me, let me just mention here that I loathe Imagine. I do too. Oh, yeah. I loathe it. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And I think, uh, I think it, has been, it has been anointed as this some sort of an anthem for the way the world is supposed to be. And I'm thinking... The entire message that you're having here is dehumanize and take away things people value. Well, yeah, well but think about who, who who are the people that like that sort of stuff. No, yeah. it's you know the it's the left wing uh, neo Marxists. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. And it's, it's a long way from uh, revolution in the White Album talking about if you're carrying pictures of Chairman Mao, you're not going to make it with anybody anyhow. And yet here, you know, just oh, about nine years later. Lennon is basically espousing those principles. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I loathe that song. Uh, I, th- I think it is. It, it is the song of the moral relativists. Very good. Thank you. That's there's there's, there's the, the moral relativist uh, anthem. Yeah, the cultural Marxist anthem. Yeah. Do away with anything that we don't agree with, which irony is, of course, you know, what happens sometimes. Yeah. Nevertheless, I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole, but I'm glad we did. Yeah. 
So, uh, as you guys know, my kind of music is the punk alternative stuff. Now, when I first started listening to music, you know, this is not where I started. So when I first started listening, because all you had was the radio, you know, used to listen to Casey Kasem's Top 40 uh, and all that. Sure. And, you know, listen yeah. to the songs I like, go up and down the, the yeah. list every week, and uh, used to go to bed with the radio on, uh, like a lot of... First you know, album you bought with your own money. Uh, you know, I'm not even sure. Um, uh, well, uh, it may have been Sgt. Pepper's, but actually, I think, and, I'm, and I can tell you this because I bought it in Lexington at a used book, uh, used record store. Journey's first album with Steve Perry, Infinity, absolutely freaking amazing album. I yeah, know you with hate, my own money, you that's hate a hard Journey, one. I know that, um, but I love them. Money I earned probably would have been in college, so probably would have been Susie and the Banshees, maybe something like that. Marty Robbins, Gunfighter Ballads and Trail Songs. Really? Awesome. Well, if you awesome. want to go with, see, I didn't buy it with my own money, but the first album I ever bought with, you know, that I had to twist my mother's arm to buy was John Denver's Greatest Hits in 1970. Yeah, save up yeah, my allowance. Yeah. And, yeah. And, with something like that that I was gotten for me was probably, well, you know, when I talk about first album, I think it was, uh, you know, out on the Chipmunks Christmas album, but yeah, I think we need, we probably need something a little later yeah, than that. One of those K-Tail albums, Starburst, that, I think I had Christmas 78. you yourself yeah. Well, I remember having, uh, uh, back in the day, by. I think it, there was an eight track of uh, ACDC. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, the Back in Black. Uh, I had Billy Joel Glass Houses on eight track, oh, and I had a Toto eight track. Toto was great. Toto uh, was fantastic. You know, do you know Africa is the number one pop song selling of all time, or played, or something? I forget exactly. Yeah, what it it, yeah. It's like, like the, the most requested. One. Or it's the most. most I forget exactly yeah. what it is. Wow. But it, yeah, it's huge, and I love the song. I've always loved yeah. the song. This but, was this was like the eight track before that one though. Oh, this was like, uh, the Monkey's Greatest Hits. Oh, that's a good one. I love yeah, the yeah. Monkeys. Do you, yeah. guys, do you guys remember? That's the, the first one that I, I think. Yeah, you know, real music. It was me or Teeny oh, it is. when the show was on. Oh, loved it. My son it. loves it. Yeah, I, I remember watching yeah. it, and it was uh, uh, for for being a faux group to begin with, brought together by corporate interests. They were amazing and still yeah. are. I mean, well, Davy Jones, I know, has passed away. You but, know, uh, Mickey Dolenz is really the only professional musician among them right. uh, when they started. Mm-hmm. Uh, Davy Jones could sing. Uh, and and the a others teen, were. Teen Idol. Which yeah, helped. Teen Idol, yeah. But Nesmith could play. Yeah, he could. He could play. Uh, yeah. You know, and so it was. It was kind of a perfect storm, American version of the, the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, they, they just, some of their music is still holds up today. It does. They did an amazing job. They, yeah. uh, some I, of it was what was written for them. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. good stuff. It yeah. holds up today. Well, yeah. But, some but of it's stuff original they wrote. music. Yeah, it's some yeah. original yeah. stuff. And that, that kind of goes back to the thing is you can't cover somebody. You've got to have something that well, says some, we're who we are. You can't, to be really good, you can't do that. Only. Only. Correct. That's right. Yeah, because a lot of bands do some really good covers. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. In addition to their own stuff. And even, yeah, some bands have even done full cover albums uh, that have been really good. As long as they bring their own take to it, it makes us, that's that's the thing. But anyway, so it wasn't until college, uh, appropriately enough, because uh, yeah. that's usually where uh, where this stuff comes into play. That I really got into the uh, the alternative music stuff, and that was uh, because of uh, uh, Joan, the girl I dated in college. Okay, and because she was real big into Susie and the Band, she's in the Cure, and uh, uh, that's what, actually the first alternative group I ever heard was actually the Psychedelic Furs. Oh yeah, which uh, we went got and saw which we went and saw yeah in yeah. in Memphis, and then the wife and I went and saw them again when they came to Louisville. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. yeah, the following year. Um, but 
uh, was introduced to them by a, a good buddy, Andy Clayton. Not a good buddy, but, you know, in high school kind of a good buddy. You know, yeah. Somebody you knew and did stuff with uh, in, in, like, in theater and what have you. Uh, but for, I think he brought me home one night from a pr- play practice or something. I took him, I don't remember, but he was playing The Furs, and that was just awesome. I don't even remember what album it was, but I fell in love with that yeah, stuff. Yeah. That was there, great. There's always those moments of yeah. something that you hear for the first time, so, and you realize, wow, that's good. That yeah. works for so me. So then I was open to that when, you know, later when I uh, met up with her, but the, um, you know, the, the, that kind of music, is what got me started. Susie and the Banshees and The Cure. Those are probably the two that really, yeah. uh, for then, me. Of course, the police hit. Yes. Like, um, well, they had hit in the 70s. Right, late uh, 70s. They started in the, actually, yeah. they started like mid-70s. They were one of those underground garage kind of bands yeah, they, they were in the beginning of punk. Europe. I remember hearing, them for, the, for the first time I heard their name, I heard them on a list of something out of one of these radio stations. I'm thinking, who the heck is that? Because this is before Zenyatta Madonna, right before that. Yeah. And uh, and all of a sudden, it, it's not only a few months later when you know folks around me are started singing Roxanne. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, what is this? Yeah, they and, were big, uh, big, so in, to speak. In in, well, no, that's not where I'm going. Oh. Uh, in that um, New York alternative punk rock scene because like i said punk rock kind of had a u.s version mm-hmm. and a british version yes and in the u.s version where you have uh probably the ramones is probably the other yeah. most famous uh, yeah, originator ramones. in the yeah. u.s and you know the police were playing in that scene as well as uh, a bunch of others um and the uh in england of course you've got uh the sex pistols they are yeah. the quintessential punk band and there, uh, uh, quickly, a bunch of fans uh, congeal around them, and they're called the Bromley Contingent. Okay, and what's really interesting, uh, there's a uh, who was the uh, '70s interview guy, um, uh, David Frost. Uh, David Frost. David Frost. Dick Cavett. D- uh, it was Dick Cavett, I think. Might have been Dick Cavett. Uh, and he had the guy uh, who interviewed Forrest Gump. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he had Malcolm McLaren and the Sex Pistols on, but they also had in the background all these people from the Bromley Contingent. So they were all on TV. Just you know, so they, he was it, you know McLaren was sitting there, you know, like kind of holding court, uh, kind of like a dick, basically. Um, and he was he was you know very because that was part of the punk rock thing, just yeah, to right, you know yeah, give everybody the middle finger, not just the establishment, but everybody. Yeah. And you know, which of course is a teenager, that's what they like. You know, they, they want to see all of the adults. You know, want to give them all the finger. Um, but it, what's interesting is that Bromley contingent uh, became the uh, uh, starting point for a bunch of groups. Most notably, Susie and the Banshees. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, Susie is in the background of that video. Ah. I was watching him, looking at all the people around, and I was like, getting around, and I was like, "Holy crap, that's Susie Sue!" And uh, you know, so that was just really interesting. Uh, so the Clash comes out of the the oh, yes. contingent. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the Clash. Uh, the Slits and uh, Generation X, which is fronted by a very young Billy Idol. Yes. Oh wow. Uh, yeah. And a group called X-Ray Specs. Those are probably the most famous coming out of the Bromley contingent. You know, all of those that became musicians. Yeah. And so this kind of explodes in that last five years of the '70s. Mm-hmm. And so now you've got the Clash, Susie and the Banshees, The Cure. Uh, the police, the Ramones, Blondie, uh, who becomes part of this kind of yeah. into it as part yeah. of one of that kind of music, even though she, uh, the group rather, predates it. Uh, David Bowie kind of gets into this kind of music. 
yeah, or associated with it. He re- reinvents himself a few times. He does. Yes, yes. he's 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 all, he very was always very good. In a new wave, new romantic movement. Yeah, uh, but I'm so glad you mentioned the Clash and Blondie. Uh, there's they're they're simply landmark. I mean, there was a time the Clash was called the only band that mattered. Yeah, <laughs> really. I mean, that's that's how the Clash was thought of um, in the punk scene, along with. You know the Ramones, mm-hmm. um, and then Blondie. Again, we talked about this a little bit in show prep. Uh, Debbie Harry, really the first rock goddess, right? The I mean, there are other in, influential and important female performers, mm-hmm. but as far as a just a rock and roller, does whatever she wants, massive sexuality, and an incredible talent. She's it. Right, she's she's the big dog uh, with Blondie, and and there was a moment again, the moment nobody's bigger than Blondie. Right, uh, amazingly. Right, she's one that that or the group. We always say this because we always think Debbie Harry, but you know the Blondie is the group, not right. not her. Not her. Uh, in fact, she always resented being called that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, For all the right but, reasons. But you know, you call yourself Blondie, and you're the the bleach blonde front singer. What do you think's going to happen? Yeah. I mean, come on. Uh, but she's probably one of the uh, most, well, not one of the most uh, successful uh, uh, mainstreamed acts. Uh, partially, that's probably because she's she's got roots prior. So I mean, she'd been around quite a while before then. Uh, the group had yeah. uh, so that that kind of helped, I'm sure. But uh, you know, there's a lot, a lot of these names we have mentioned have become mainstream. They've become the classics. Yeah. When you look at the Police, the Police, yeah. their synchronicity album. In my opinion, and my son, I asked him this once. I said, son, what is the best album you can think of? Start to finish. What's he say? Synchronicity by the Police. Because yeah. start to finish, in my opinion, that is one of the best all-around albums it's ever. One of those there is very little filler, with the possible ev- exception of Mother. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a fun song, It's though. one of those albums so. that everybody <laughs> had. Yes. Everybody yeah. had that. Meatloaf, Sped Out of Hell. It's oh, one yeah. of those yeah. albums. Everybody and, and we, had. We just talked about Jim Steinman just passing. I did a blog post on Jim Steinman. Yeah. Uh, so that was a huge album. But, yeah, okay. I mean, you're talking about uh, um, the police and, and, again, that, that moment where they're the biggest thing in the world. You know, it happens for yeah, them. And, and, and Synchronicity was really it, the, their, and it's, their biggest thing. You know, it's not... And, of course, then they break Atlanta's out. more. It's It is... Um, Zenyatta Mandata mm-hmm. and on to Ghost in the Machine and Synchronicity. Yeah. Right, and those are all great albums. Yeah. But yeah, really, Synchronicity is, I mean, it's they the quit when they peaked. Right. They really did. And that's one of the reasons. Which is such a shame. Uh, well, it, it gives them a beloved quality yeah. that maybe had, you know, some, you know, what was it they said in the movie Highlander? It's better to. Uh, better to burn, burn out than fade away. away. Yeah, that's right. So, well, you know, and all three of them went on a successful career is obviously Sting the most successful yeah. uh, with his solo career and, and he kind of reinvents himself into more of a uh, softer rock kind, kind of, of a jazz performer type. yeah um, although his uh, uh, Dream of the Blue Turtles yeah I was going to say that uh, was, was, more, was the most police-like album it was, it was an uh, excellent album it, it was yes that was another one not a whole lot of filler on that one mm-hmm. uh, but I think there's still a lot of police influence in, in that particular yeah. one um, but you know you look at the, the those groups that I listen to their influence is a little bit harder to see because uh, you don't necessarily because they weren't as mainstream as those who followed them uh, that claimed them as influences. Yeah. But uh, probably the most successful of those groups is The Cure, 
because they have probably lasted the longest. At least the longest staying together and producing music continuously. Uh, although, really, you could you could put U2 in that, because uh, yeah, they did start also in that. Uh, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a gross oversight not to mention U2. Yeah. Uh, because, but for some reason, they seem to stand apart from the rest of that group for some reason, even though they come from those same roots. You know, that same political, economic, music, uh, protest kind of stuff. Um, at, but they grew into to much more. Uh, and obviously... Uh, their music has matured greatly and changed over the years. Uh, although, honestly, I like that rough edge that a lot of these groups have when they're early on. Yeah. There's more, it seemed to be more of a, an emotional, uh, energetic edge to them. Yeah. Uh, when you listen to the original version of Pretty in Pink, for instance, versus what was on the soundtrack for the movie, the soundtrack is much more polished, even though it's exact same notes sung by the exact same guys. Uh, so... But I like that little bit of an edge, uh, which you get with uh, these groups when they're they're younger. Especially you too, right? Yes. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for. I was hoping somebody would catch the pun. There. I was, yes, was working you there. I was yes. working you there. pun would pick a pocket. Yes. That's right. So let me change directions on you, though. And, and again, Otterites, this is this whole. We're all super different when it comes to music, even though we're not super different on a lot of other topics. I'm the only heavy rock fan I think Francis dabbled a touch oh yeah I mean I, I you know I saw Ozzy Osbourne concert back in the day uh, I, I've, I'm not a huge Sabbath fan I loved Ozzy though and, uh, well AC- Kiss certainly counts for that doesn't absolutely, it absolutely yeah, yeah that's so, yeah. right uh, and ACDC was always great uh, yeah. uh, some of their stuff was, was primo uh, not everything well that's that's early stuff that I consider more of the hard rock a lot of the yeah. stuff that that, that I well, at least some of the stuff I think of when I think of what you, who I think you're going is more some of the hairband heavy metal stuff. Yeah, I mean, so I, I'm what I wanted to again talking about these landmark bands that that set a tone, that set a direction is Sabbath. You talk about Ozzy, yeah, you I know, mean, he was essentially an outgrowth, you know, from yeah. Sabbath. So Black Sabbath is again some of that same milieu. This the economic, uh, depressed parts of England, working-class England. Um, but they're they're trying to find a way in this kind of blues-infused 60s rock. Uh, but the guitarist, Tony Iommi, is missing part of two fingers on one hand. Hmm. And he detunes his guitar a bit, fuzzes it out, fuzzes the sound out. And they've discovered kind of a whole new blues rock sound. And then they kick in a little bit of, you know, protest, war pigs. They kick in a little personal angst and paranoid. Uh, A little bit of the occult, a little bit of weirdness, a little bit of maybe marijuana and a few other things. And suddenly you've got something different. It's true. It's true. They were landmark. They were really the first heavy metal band. Um, sometimes Zeppelin gets kind of kicked in with them. To me, Zeppelin is not a heavy metal band. No, it's not. Zeppelin's should, a hard rock band. definitely need to come back to Zeppelin, though, because of the, if we talk about influential, yes. they're certainly one of What's the biggest. The, so maybe for our listeners who, who really don't have a good grasp of, of the differences, and I, I probably don't either, how would you define the difference between the heavy metal bands and the hard rock bands? Besides yeah. one being mostly 70s and the other being mostly 80s. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, well, I mean well, Zeppelin and Black Sabbath are two exemplars of that. Yes, but yeah. what makes what, them exactly, one? Exactly, what makes them I think the, one the and not the other? The difference between 
a hard rock band and a heavy metal band is strictly attitude. If it's a... Sabbath sets the bar of we hate everything. Okay. I mean, that might be an oversimplification of what metal is, but... When they hit in Well, that's true. It's got roots in punk then, too. Yeah, it does. (laughs) And that's why a band like uh, Motorhead Mm -hmm. is is important, too. Motorhead never wanted to be called a heavy metal band. They wanted to be called a rock and roll band. Yet they had more in common. The metal bands see them as an influence. But they were also the band that, if you went to a punk show with a Motorhead jacket, you were okay. You couldn't go to a punk show... With an Iron Maiden jacket, but you could go with a Motorhead jacket. They were the crossover. They were the link in between hmm. metal and punk with a, those same sort of attributes. Real quick, while I'm thinking about this, I need to make a correction. I was talking about the Dick Cavanagh. I think I said Malcolm McLaren was it's Sid Vicious. I don't know why I said Malcolm McLaren. Well, McLaren's the manager. He's the manager, right? But it was Sid Vicious that. Oh, is, okay. is sitting there. And, so yeah, Johnny Rock. I don't know why. Vicious. Yeah, I don't know why the heck I said Malcolm McLean. Other than the fact that I know he's obviously he's involved. So anybody who heard me say that, no, I'm not. Well, I may be stupid, but I'm not that stupid. Yeah, he knows. The, <laughs> just he knows mis- the pistols. Yeah, just misspoke. And I think I've uh, I've tromped all over something you were going to do, Robert, because we hadn't done Bourbon Break. Oh yeah, we were going to do Bourbon Break. Yeah, and I tromped all over top of you to, to change the subject to Black Sabbath. That's okay. You start the Bourbon Break. So I've poured a, a quick glass of the OZ Tyler Quarter Horse Reserve. Oh, is that what you're drinking now? Yes. Oh. And I'm... Again, the, the touch of cinnamon, I think, to it. Uh, in the flavor notes. Um, a little bit more of the alcohol flavor, I think, is, is popping in there. We got your clink there, Robertius. You're yes. using the stu- uh, the cubes. It looks like. Yes, they're really uh, room temperature now. So yeah. Um, um, <coughs> when you drink it neat like I do, it doesn't matter anymore. I just kind of kind of roll with it. Yes, there is a. Um, um, I don't. Know, I guess I call this a bit softer than the the, the Woodford. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though that's not exactly how you would describe bourbon or any kind of, of whiskey generally. It, it's a more straightforward, less complex flavor, which is not probably what O.Z. Tyler wants to hear about Quarter Horse Reserve. They probably went, oh, no, it's 250 flavor profiles. But to me, it's a it's a much more straightforward, fewer notes. Uh, doesn't really have the citrus to it that Woodford does. And again, a little, bit of, a little bit of a cinnamon, almost a clove kind of, Man, Fake I gotta say, goods. you are really good at picking all that stuff out. It must be from the wine drinking you do, because I, I have a hard time picking out no, all that yeah, distinct I'm, stuff. I'm not, my palate's not that um, sophisticated, I'm afraid. Stop drinking soft drinks. Really? They ruin your palate. Oh, no, interesting. The sugar ruins you your palate. You sound like Robert Picard. This um, ruins your palate, Jean-Luc. Interesting. So, now, is that the sugar? Because I don't, I don't drink uh, sugar <coughs> drinks. Yeah, I drink sugar. Uh, diet. That's kind of the thing. <coughs> Careful now. He's all choked up. He's all choked up. It's a sweetness, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I'll be learned. Well, maybe I should uh, drink more bourbon, I suppose. Well, that's not a bad thing. Well, in, in excess, that would be a well, bad thing. Well, of course. Thing. That's yes. right. Yeah, well, that's not going to happen. I can tell yes. you that. You guys know that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, wonderful. That's a good bourbon break, gentlemen. What are, what oh, 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 old tub. Old tub. <clears throat> I'm just I'm sticking with the... Going with what we know. Yes. Uh, we got it all laid out here at uh, Studio M. 
Yes. Indeed. <clears throat> uh, what do we? Who do we still need to talk about? Well, I, I got two. Two that you want to talk about? Yeah, yeah at least at least one. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I kind of hogged everything. Yeah, then thrown in Black Sabbath. You kind of a war you pig. kind of, but that's all right. <laughs> you kind of war pigged it, did you not? Uh, yeah, but I just I wanted to lay them out there because of this that influence of being that first heavy sure. metal band that then leads into well, all the things that came out of that, and you already talked about Kiss and Ozzy and everything. Yeah. Well, that's where I, it comes from. So I'll pick up from, from there and I guess maybe do this in reverse order. But, uh, you know, what I want to talk about next, uh, and you guys talk about what you want. Um, you know, one of the reasons that I mentioned the bands that I did, those are ones that I really like as sure. well. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of helps. But, I mean, they, they really were influential on ones that, that came after or they were pioneers. Yeah. Uh, you know, The Cure has done... Uh, an ungodly number of, of albums. I, you know, I think they may probably have even done more than you too. Uh, but there's, they just keep doing it, but they don't necessarily get the big fanfare that some of the other groups do. Uh, Susie and the Banshees now are broken up, but uh, Susie and, and Budgie, the drummer, uh, had done this uh, side group called The Creatures. Uh, a lot wow. of Japanese influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, some really okay. good stuff there. <clears throat> okay. uh, so, you know, these guys that started out in this really angsty, angry... Uh, protest kind of stuff where there's a lot of screaming even in, in early uh, Banshee stuff they matured and became real musicians uh, Susie Sue has had an incredible voice now she she's a lifelong smoker and it had, took a toll on her, her <coughs> yeah. throat oh really um, her, her the, I don't know if she's done one since Manta Ray but that was her solo album there's some good stuff on there but you can tell the difference between that and even just 10, 10 or 15 years prior uh, some of the last yeah. stuff they did together as the Banshees. Uh, it's just not as smooth, uh, which is unfortunate. It's still good, and I love it, but you know, it just doesn't sound... The voice is, has lost a little bit of quality, but that's also true of anybody you know, when they grow older. <clears throat> yeah, you know, this is going to happen. We're talking about a lot of bands who are still out there as yeah, They're as collecting older Social Security now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the Stones are, are, are bridging 70-plus. Right. Uh, so they're, yeah, everybody's voices change. It uh, happens. Pete Towns is not the guitar player he used to be. Right. So, you know, I, I understand that. And, you, you know, you hear it when uh, in The Cure. Although, I got to say, The Cure has probably maintained the most, uh, d- uh, their sound the most. The makeup doesn't look as good on Robert Smith as it No, it doesn't. He, he, could, he probably could use to, to lose a few pounds. Yeah, kind uh, of as well. Lose a but, few you know, that's also age. Calm down the hair a little bit. Yeah. It's kind of, uh, kind of, but, you know, its thing. It, it, they, they again though they all matured into really good musicians. Yeah. And, and let me say for a metalhead, I do like The Cure. I mean, yeah, um, Friday I'm in love. And, oh yeah, and, and then what's um, uh, all kinds? Show me, of... show me, show me how you do that. Uh, actually, actually uh, what is the name of that song? Why do I always blank on the name of that song, even though it's my favorite Cure song? Hmm. Oh no! Anyway, see, 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 I'm awful with titles. A brown, a brain fart happened. Yes. Anyway, go so ahead, Francis. We, we haven't let well, you come in with another couple here. No, I well, I, Led Zeppelin. We've got to talk more about Led Zeppelin. Okay, uh, go the, for the it. influence that the, that that band has had has been some of the greatest uh, in rock and roll uh, ever. It's it's we uh, and it, what what pinged me on that is you know there's certain things everybody had. And Led Zeppelin certainly was one of the, the Led Zeppelin the, four. Well, yeah, that's that's up. If you're going to pick that, I'll pick one of those. But my goodness, there's so many different. I mean, Led Zeppelin one, two, and three. 
uh, physical graffiti, houses of the holy, in through the outdoor, which was kind of their, kind of their last. They did Coda after that. It wasn't quite the same. I mean, Robert Plant has uh, got a voice that's just kind of amazing. It's very different. There are some folks that absolutely do not like it, can't stand the way he sings. My wife is one of them, and I still don't understand that, but be it so. Uh, just like heaven. Sorry. Oh, yeah. yes. yes. Just like heaven. The Cure song, Just Like Heaven. Yes. Yeah, and um, it, it's I, Stairway to Heaven is still, if you had to pick one rock song only, it would be at that, it would be one yeah. of the contenders. That complexity, the the symphonic quality of it. Yes, the musical talent and, that these folks yeah. have. Jimmy he's, Page, a, he's a good guitar player. Yeah, he is he is still considered to be perhaps the greatest in the world. Of course that's you know it's always debatable. Yeah, but, that's always an opinion but thing. There's nobody that would disagree with his quality. Yeah. Uh, and, and he and Robert Plant have done some things together themselves yeah. after of course when Bono when John Bonham died, I almost said Bono died. Bono's still very much alive. Let me make sure I get that clear. Uh, when John Bonham passed away, uh, it was over he was, he was, you know, it's hard to imagine the drummer could be that influential uh, that there is no such thing without him, but he was one of those that, that's just very that just, true. Yeah, that was a rare thing when the band said, oh, we're not going on. Uh, bands tend to churn drummers a ton. Well, yeah, Keith Moon's the obvious choice. Well, you know, and, the, uh, part of the reason for that is, musically, they're probably the easily, most easily replaced, yeah. but also they're least likely to be the singer. Yes, you know, least likely to be the singer. Genesis and Phil Collins aside. And, and yeah, they which get, is a good example. I mean, yeah, yeah. A good exception that proves the rule. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, again, a band like Sabbath is a good exemplar. When you're under pressure to continue to put out material, yeah. the record company don't care. Yeah, They will you know, chew up everybody except the two songwriters. Yep. Um, or, or the songwriter. So Bill Ward got chewed up and spit out by the record company for Sabbath. Yeah, sometimes uh, though, and it happened to a ton of bands. Yeah, well, sometimes it's it's the bands doing that, you know, yeah. especially the area that we've primarily been talking about. You know, drugs took a huge toll on the music scene, and they yeah. still and it still does. It yes. it, uh, it but it, does. it was a ton of pressure. Get out there, play every night. Yeah. Uh, then when you're done playing, get in the studio. Record something, right? Because you get back you. out. There's the only way to make money. It was. was There's no out. internet downloads, any of that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, your your ways of making money were and, a bit limited. And touring on your old material was unheard of. You couldn't charge two hundred dollars a seat to come play thirty year old songs. Right. Well, you know, unless now you can. Now yeah. you can. I yeah. mean, the Eagles well, make bazillions doing no, we it. Did, I didn't even talk about the Eagles. Let's save that for another time. Because uh, we're getting close to time here. I'm. I'm uh, we'll say we'll say the Eagles are their own thing. Uh, Fleetwood Mac is their own thing. I'm yeah. the one I was going well, to mention. Know, all but. of the stuff we've talked about, you know, I, like I said, I've gravitated to the stuff that I, that I like, which some of it also did have a major impact on people, even though you don't really know. I like the fact that you like Cure, that album, the, the, the Galore album, has a lot of good stuff that's on it. A, yeah. a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Why um, can't I be you? Yeah. All, it's all on there. You know, and there's some of that stuff has now become iconic. I, what's really sad, I, and this is how, how you know it's become so iconic, is I've heard uh, elevator music versions of some of the stuff that I listened to in the 80s. Yeah, I've heard Elvis Costello in the grocery store. Oh my God! See, that's the kind of stuff that. Yeah, see, it didn't even talk about Elvis Costello. When Elvis big Costello was. becomes background music, it's like you know you've penetrated the psyche. Oh yeah, yeah. Of, of the public. Uh, also, uh, Eurythmics uh, is another group that Annie Lennox. Uh, Annie Lennox voice. Yes, voice. she is phenomenal. Um, talking about all around good albums, the 
I think it was the final one they did as a group. If some of the final was the next to last, uh, Savage uh, is a great one. Uh, just fantastic stuff. And so many of the groups that uh, you know, they all seem to have one of those albums that is just full of really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know well, that, they were really that everybody really loves. Right. Yeah. Uh, often that's the uh, ultimate one that they've done, the last one, unfortunately. But uh, you know, uh, there's there's just so many. Uh, oh, Violent Femmes! Oh my gosh, oh, Violent Femmes! I, I mean, mean, that was that's one of those. It's like a that's the bottle rocket of rock music. Yeah. <laughs> Whoosh! Pow! Ooh. But you know but what? It's over. No, but you know what? They did like four or five albums that that if you if I were to play some of the music from it, you would probably recognize yeah. from those multiple. It wasn't just the original Violent Femmes that came out in the the mid eighties. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I saw them in concert. It wasn't just added up. And, no. And, and, uh, yeah. You know, though, you had again p- penetrated uh, the common cultural consciousness when your alternative independent music becomes the basis for a movie and a soundtrack. Uh, which is the John Cusack uh, Hitman movie, um, Gross Point Blank. Gross Point Blank. Love Gross Point Blank. Oh, my gosh. I love the movie just for the soundtrack. Just the soundtrack's amazing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was a was great, great film. Great film. Let me circle back, though, to one thing about what Francis was talking about, especially with Led Zeppelin, and that's this, this role of the front man. Oh yeah, the the rock and roll iconic front man. Well, the the, the lead singer's gonna the, have that. Yeah, the Mick Jagger, the the Robert, Robert Plant, Plant. Yeah, you know that iconic rock and roll, the Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, but you know it, it's it is a different thing because sorry, um, you know you look at the Beatles, even the Monkees, uh, some other groups, multiple guys in those bands sung. That's true. But mm-hmm. then you get this thing where there's only one guy who sings. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's not always true uh, because, you know, you look at Van Halen and David Lee Roth. You know, he left so he could be the only guy who sings. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they wrote in Sammy Hagar, who did a fine job. Right. It was very different. It was different. Uh, and Eddie, Hale, Eddie Van Halen, may he rest in peace, by yes. the way. He passed away. Uh, marvelous talent. Amazing talent. Yes. One of the greatest guitar players ever. We were talking about that. Uh, he's right up there. We didn't talk about Van Halen. Yeah. Well, now we have another one that penetrated the cultural consciousness, became part of a movie, became part of Better Off Dead with the uh, uh, Everybody Wants Some. Yeah. And that guitar uh, bit that the the, the hamburger the does. animated the claymation hamburger. Yeah. Playing uh, Everybody Wants Some. So you know it's it's good. It's yeah. though. There's so it's many places stuff. we could go. I'm so glad we, we we hit a lot of big biggies though. We did. I, There's it, much more we'll yeah. have to do. But for instance, I think you had another one. No, or two. no. I wanted to mention Fleetwood Mac, and I want to mention the Eagles. We don't have time. Yes, yeah, so I know Stevie Nicks those. holds a special place in your heart. <laughs> oh, I've had a serious love affair with Stevie Nicks since I was 11. It's, it's too just, bad she doesn't know about it. I know. Right <laughs> now, she listens to it. Oh, Stevie, I love you. Yes, mm. yes, she is. Uh, and to be honest, she, uh, her music has spoken to me. Her voice has spoken to me. It's just, well, you know, it's, uh, she's she's one of the undisputed queens of rock and roll. We all know that. Yeah. One of the things I like, because you know, I like a lot of the female acts, but one of the reasons why is that the ones I like, they have good voices. The, the men don't necessarily have good voices all the time. Yeah. Uh, they can get by sometimes spending on the, the with with. Let, lower, yeah, with attitude and yelling into the microphone somewhat melodically. Yeah, uh, but the women they they seem to not be able to get away with that unless they're really hot. Well, uh, Stevie's got a very unique voice, yeah. and everybody knows her voice, and she's also an amazingly prolific sound a songwriter, which was very which she brought something to Fleetwood Mac in the seventies 
that was very different than what they had, and, and Lindsay did too. I mean, I, I don't, yeah, I, I, I mean, don't want to disparage either one yeah, of them because the, they both the, brought what was exactly needed yeah. with some great talent that was already there. Yeah, the Fleetwood Mac that we know today is is those five is people. Lindsay Buckingham and and Stevie Nicks and their dysfunctional relationship. Well, <laughs> Rumors was another one of those albums everybody had. There's everybody, a reason everybody that, that album has sold gazillions of copies and still does today because. The music still holds up. Yeah. You know, we need to further this discussion on the blog. www.snakesandotters.com I know. I, I feel the need to do a Pink Floyd post because I didn't even talk about them. Right. Well, I, I think I'll, I'll do a Stevie post. I have to do. Because right, in each one of our... I owe it to Stevie, yes. Our gen, you know, genres of music, there's so much more each one of us could have talked about. Each one of us could have captained an episode yeah. just about our well, particular interesting slice you, of music. Interesting you say that because we're going... This is not a one-and-done topic we're going to revisit this you know rock and roll bands we have to listen to music music we always love to listen to it's going to be a reoccurring series for us a mini series right. that appears I'll, at least I'll hold, annually i'll hold fleetwood mac to or not fleetwood i'll hold pink floyd to that you can hold to that that's great what you know trust me there's lots more we can talk and about. the eagles we'll hold the eagles till yeah. then. very influential all right what's next we're going back to world war ii guys of course uh, it's, it's next, hit, month is, it's or next week is a history that's right next week is a history uh i won't say history album but it's you know i'm trying to cleanse myself <laughs> of that language a history episode uh and martin i think you're the one that came up with the idea of using this the plot to kill hitler operation valkyrie yeah tom cruise did a actually pretty decent movie that was a good movie and this is at a time when cruise's uh, star was in it was was falling in many ways he'd done some things that hadn't done well and people were saying oh we can't bank on him anymore valkyrie kind of turned that around they were expecting it to be not much and i'll give cruise credit he did a hell of a job with that movie and uh, and rehabilitated himself in many ways it's very, very accurate, and we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that one moment. You know, we like to personalize it. We've mm-hmm. talked about the big picture stuff so far. This gets a little bit smaller. We're going to bring the microscope down a little bit and go into this one moment and somewhat of a what if, somewhat of what did happen, and what do we think about it. So join us next episode. You'll love it. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week. Same snake time, same otter channel.